Welcome back to the podcast, you guys. Today, it's your lucky day. You get to hear from one of the people I admire the most in the entrepreneurial and coaching space, Jesse Itzler, American entrepreneur, author, and rapper, co-founder of Marquis Jets, uh, partner in Zico Coconut Water, founder of the 100 Mile Group, and co-owner of the Atlanta Hawks, also husband to the one and only also one of my most admired humans, Sarah Blakely. Let's dig in. Let's do it. Thanks for having me. When did you start the podcast? So literally just started it in January. So um, it's been like a huge, you know, those gut feeling, God callings, like you need to do this for years. And um, really some crazy synchronicities. I kind of put it again on the back burner in January. And then it was like, God, the universe, whatever you want to call it was not going to let me not do it. And so I was like, fine. So we launched in January and like to just epic, massive, great success. And it's making a really big impact. You know, I, I have a real passion for just sharing people's voices and stories. Um, it's called low bottom high rise because it's kind of my story. It's like, I went from down here to up here And like, how do you do that? You know, I feel like, especially right now, there's so many people down here that want success. They want a better marriage. They want more joy. And it's like, I believe that there's real tools and strategies and habits and things that you really got to put into place that can change everything, but not everybody knows what they are. And, you know, there's not a magic formula because I think it's different for everybody. And I mean, somebody like you, can I tell you this? I'm like, I've literally hesitated, Jesse. I'm like, should I actually say this? I don't want him to take this the wrong way, but I feel like you're so freaking cool that you would never take this the wrong way. So let me start by just saying how I figured out who you were. And we're just so much alike because we're kind of like a little, like there's a little screw loose, right? Like there's a little bit of a screw loose with people like us, (laughs) which is such a blessing and a curse sometimes. But I don't really consume that much social media. But for some reason, I tapped on your wife's story one day. And you're you're in the hat. (laughs) Do you remember this story? You've got the the like page boy cap on, which my dad used to always wear, and you're going to ride the bike. And she's like, What is this hat, Jesse? And so initially I'm like, dude, this guy's married to Sarah Blakely must be nice. Like he hit the jackpot, you know? (laughs) And I'm like, but I'm also mesmerized by this interaction, this like hilarious interaction between you and Sarah. And then I dig a little deeper and I'm like, holy crap, this guy's like next level in his own right. You know, like what you've done with your life, what you've accomplished, I don't think I've ever interviewed anyone with a more diverse past, you know, present and future. I mean, I I emailed your assistant and I was like, I I don't even know what we should talk about on this podcast because there's probably a hundred topics that Jesse could cover. (laughs) (laughs) We can talk about whatever you want, Moira. But I really want you, I mean, I can, you know, there's a thousand questions that I would love to ask. You know, I've read, you know, both your um, living with a seal was the first one I read and then living with a monk. I mean, mind blowing. But I also feel like my audience has like, there's a lot of people out there, a lot of entrepreneurs that haven't made it yet. Right. So there's so much that I know that you can share to that segment of the population that's kind of like trying to make it. But then I feel like there's this whole other level of conversation, which I kind of went through this past year where I hit all the big goals. You know, I I checked all the boxes and I hustled my face off for years to make it all happen. And then you kind of get there and it's like, you almost hit a, a depression, you know? You're like, that didn't necessarily, it didn't really fulfill me. And so then it's a different place where it's like, how do we find joy and contentment now that we kind of have the success box checked off? Yeah. You know, and that comes from (laughs) moving a seal into your house or going to an ashram or a monastery and kind of creating these new goals. Like last year, when I hit one of my biggest goals, I was like, I'm going to now set a goal instead of the business goal, I'm going to go surf a hundred waves. 
because I need a goal. I need something I can check off. But this next thing needs, I just need some joy and some balance. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So going, so where do you want to start with all that? Well, I would just say that I think that most people wait for like a big thing to happen in their life. Like if you're an entrepreneur, that big sale or the sale of your company, or I'm going to launch a podcast, like you wait for this one thing that you think is going to change everything. And a lot of times it does if it happens. But I found that through experience, and I, I actually posted this the other day, but the same feeling that you get when you sell a company, I've sold five. It, it's, the, it's the same feeling that you get. And it's amazing. But it's the same feeling you get when you cross the finish line of a, of a, of a big race, or you walk mm -hmm. an old lady across the street, or you do something that makes you feel good about yourself. It's like this feeling of accomplishment. And I think that what we all have in humans, people listen to your podcast for different reasons. They want inspiration. They want to change their life. They want to increase their business. There's different reasons. But the one thing is humans, we all share in common, is we want to feel accomplished. We want to feel mm -hmm. proud. Like That's like what we're searching for. Some of us get it through these big events. But if you can figure out how to bottle that feeling, you know, my wife just sold Spanx. And at the end of the journey, I was like, what do you want to do to comm commemorate this? She's like, you want to buy something? You want to go somewhere? And she just looked at me and she said um, these three words. She said, I did it. Like it was a sense of, a, that was what it was about. It was like the accomplishment of making yourself proud. And you don't have to sell a big company to get that feeling. You don't have to train for seven months to finish a big, like you could, if you could get that every day by surfing the waves, like you just said, by helping somebody, by doing whatever it is, maybe if it's even your role as a parent that you do to make something happen in your child's life. But if you can get that feeling every day, that's the feeling everybody's looking for. And instead of like waiting, oh, in 10 years, I'm going to monetize this by selling my business and getting that. It's the day to day. And so I've been, I feel like, listen, or when I started out, man, I, I slept on, I had 18 different friends that put me up. I was going couch to couch, trying to figure it out. And um, I, I felt like even at that stage of my life, I was able to bottle that feeling every day. I jump in, mm -hmm. I go to Coney Island and jump in the cold water. I'd sign up for yeah. a local race. I would work out to a point where I was like, whoa, like you crushed it. You know, I would do something that moved the needle. And mm -hmm. um, so that's how I would answer your question. Like it's, it's, it's not that search for that one big moment. It's the day-to-day -day things that you want to try to get that feeling because the big stuff is far and few in between it. And sometimes it doesn't work out the way you wanted it to. Yeah. Right. I love that. And I think, do you, don't you think though, it's important to define and kind of get clear on like what gives you those feelings in the day-to-day? -day? Cause I think a lot of times we can do the workout or we can do, we can help the old lady or we can do the thing, but unless we're kind of like our radars up to like, be like, like I was just talking to a, a parenting expert yesterday. Cause I wanted to strangle my son and he's a good friend. And he said, ask your kids every day, instead of like the, you know, what's your high, what's your low. He's like, ask them good, better, best. So they kind of have to go back and think about their day and say like, this was like next level. Awesome. Mom. But this was like, all right, like I, I passed the test. I did okay. But like, you know, this thing that I did over here, like, God, that was freaking next level. Because otherwise it just kind of, life just like passes us by, you know? It's like the moment might happen, but you don't feel it, you know? I always say to my friends, like when I do a lot of endurance races mm -hmm. and um, I like to sign up for a couple of big things every year. And I find that, I just did one called Ultraman two weeks ago, but I found that through like adventures or events or races or experiences, especially if you do them with friends, you can learn, you can get more life experience, more connected to other humans in a one day race than you can at 10 years in a cubicle or 10 years at happy hour. So I, I really try to, to do that. But when I'm training for them, I always say to my friends, like, take a, a snapshot of this and remember this moment. Like, we may never get to do this again. Like ex when you experience it, like just taking a mental note that like, this is so ridiculously cool um, yeah. is important because otherwise those things go by. You don't remember them. You don't take mm -hmm. inventory in them. So um, I have this like photo book in my head of all these amazing yeah. moments because I've stopped and I'd be like, Moira, 
like we're never going to get the chance. We might not ever talk like this again. So like yeah. the 40, 50 minutes that we have in this, let's you know make sure that like we remember it and we're connected to yeah. it. Otherwise, like you just you just don't remember. So I'm always taking inventory, good and bad. Yes. How I'm feeling during these during the journey, whether it's business yeah. or, or or race or whatever. Oh, you're speaking my language. You're speaking my language. Cause part of the, I hate to even call the planner that I wrote a planner because there's a part of it that I call your book of proof. And what I do every single day is I journal and, and people, you know, are like, Oh, is it like a gratitude journal? I'm like, not really. Like I love gratitude. I think it's awesome, but I feel like it can be kind of soft. You know, we're grateful for our spouse. We're grateful for our kids, but like a book of proof is like, uh, every single day I write down like something awesome that happened. And so on the hardest days, I can go back and literally read it like a novel. When I think, you know, everything's falling apart, nothing's working. It's like, no, I have a book of proof every year. That's just like, and it's a lot of the little things, you know? Yeah, I might sell a company one day on a Tuesday, but like on Wednesday, I got ice cream with my little girl and like we laughed so hard that like tears were streaming down her face. Like that's the proof on on Wednesday that like my life is good, you know? And so so I do that every day. I love that. That's good. So let me ask you this. Um, so this is kind of one of these big questions that I have pondered. And I'm like, gosh, if I can ever get my hands on like Jesse Itzler or Brittany Bouchard or some of these guys, and there's a whole... I feel like in the personal growth world, there's a lot of talk these days about like, it's not about hustle culture anymore, right? It's not about grinding. It's like, we have to find balance and we have to, and whenever I hear that, I'm like, I kind of want to call bullshit on that because there's no way I would have succeeded to where I am today if there hadn't been a long season of insane hustle and insane grinding. So what do you think about that? Because I think a lot of up and coming entrepreneurs that want to succeed are now getting the message that they shouldn't grind so hard. And I'm like, I would have never succeeded if I hadn't gotten like Gary V's message 10 years ago, you know, which was like, go, go, go sacrifice, like do all this stuff. What are your thoughts on that? I don't think that, I think that it depends on who you are and I think mm -hmm. and where you are and how old you are. I think the advice I would give to a 20 year old about grinding is different to the, than the advice I would give to a 50 year old that's starting out as an entrepreneur. It depends on where you are in your journey and who you are. So for my dad, my dad was a perfect example of how simple can be exceptional. So he mm -hmm. didn't grind, he didn't go through all that, but the man was exceptional. He was exceptional. When you think of success, everybody has a different depth. Let's take two steps back. You have, there's a lot of different definitions of success. Everybody has their own definition or feeling of what being successful is. When I was young in my 20s and I looked at the guys on Wall Street, houses in the Hamptons and big bank accounts, I was like, that is insanely successful. And as I got more right. successful and started to know these people better, a lot of them, I'm like, man, they're just rich. That's, right. but they're not what I want to be. Success to me is being good in the buckets that matter, that are most important to you. Mm -hmm. Being as good as you can be in the buckets that are most, as, that are most important to you. My family, my work, my health, my friends, charity. Like what is, what is success first of all? Because that's the yes. first thing. The second thing is, you know, so for my dad, success was being, was family. You know, it was, that was the most important thing. It was his marriage. It was family. It was his kids. So he had a very simple life. He owned the plumbing supply house and he was exceptional. So that's for starters. It's okay to be exceptional in the bucket that's most important to you. If that's, you know, for a teacher that makes a, a maybe a modest salary, you ask them, what does success look like? It's, it's, it's changing the lives of my students. That's a lot yeah, different yeah. than the hedge fund manager or the grinder or the entrepreneur that is basing themselves on Instagram and other stuff. So what's your definition of success to start out with? Now, let me tell you something, man. I would never give up all these messages about grinding. Did you have to go to Harvard to know that it's hard work to be good? <laughs> like, like that's, yeah, a yeah. New, that's a new talk track. 
hard work and grind. Like I, I look at those messages and I'm like, okay, who doesn't know that? Like, yeah, there's exceptions to the rule. Some people are going to get, get lucky, but even the people that got lucky put themselves in a position to get lucky. Like they did something to attract the luck. So right. yes, newsflash, you want to be an entrepreneur or you want to be great at something, you have to work your ass off. But yeah. I would never give up my 20s. I would never give up my 30s. I would never give up my 50s with my kids at this age to, to, at, to, to sacrifice that to get that. So let me, just, let, me, let me just back this up a second. They did a study of the, most wealth, of the wealthiest people in this country, people that had a liquid, liquid net worth of 20 to $30 million or more. So, you know, not paper wealth, but like real wealth. And, um, and they asked them, what was their biggest regret in getting all their success, success or money in this case? And overwhelmingly, the answer was giving up what they already had for what they wanted. So yes, you can grind, but you're not at the sacrifice of your health, the things that matter most to you, your principles. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's, it's, there's a balance between the grind and maintaining, I won't even say balance, it's like essentials, your health, yeah. family, your friends, your youth. You couldn't, if you, if you gave me ten, you know, all the money in the world and said, well, you can't go to your kids' Little League games or whatever, I would oh. never accept that. And it has nothing to do with what I have now. I would never trade that. They're only going to be six and seven once. If they said, you'll yeah. have all the you know, I'm going to give you a bazillion dollars, but you got to gain 200 pounds, I would never do that. It's not mm -hmm. worth it. So- Yes, you have to grind, but what at what sacrifice and what are you giving up? Because you never get those years back. You know? Um, yeah. It's it's pretty it's such a powerful message hearing that. I and th that's the conversation, right? I think that's the message that we need to hear more of because I think we're oh, on wait, autopilot. Sorry to interrupt you. You have 10 million Instagram followers to tell somebody they gotta work hard. Like right. come on, man. No, seriously. Anybody listening to this, you have to work hard. That is an element to, to get, if you want that, yeah. you, have, you know, if you want a certain level or whatever, you're going to have to put, you're going to have to do a 10 inning game. Everybody else might be playing a nine inning game. That, right. that is not news. Yeah. It's how do you. But I feel like our society is soft these days. And I think that's, that's the difference. I think the other part of this is like fear and risk. Right. Like I had to walk through and I know you too, I'm sure had to walk through a ton of fear. So like maybe the sacrifice should never be the buckets and we got to get clear on what the buckets are. Like I'm not willing to sacrifice baseball games and basketball games and dance competitions, but I am willing to sacrifice my own personal comfort. You know, I am willing to sacrifice some sleep. I am willing to sacrifice maybe not living in a house where I need to be keeping up with the Joneses. Like there's, there's still sacrifice, but it needs to be the right kind of sacrifice. It has to be the right kind. And what most people don't want to do is they're scared to give up that short-term um, mm -hmm. sacrifice for the long-term yeah. gains. So like, obviously you have to go to the gym every day over a long period of time to see the gains. But um, a lot of people like, I'm, I love, so I just did a race called Ultraman. It was a 6.2 mile swim, crazy. a 260 mile bike, 200, 260 mile, one mile bike and a 52.4 mile run. When I train for a race like that or anything that's like, seems really mon, you know, a monumental task. I love the process. The race is one day, but I love the mm -hmm. process leading up to it. When I start a business, it's the same thing. I didn't sign up for the end goal. I signed up for the journey and the process. And a lot of times people say, well, how did you finish this race? What happened in your darkest moments? It's the same thing in business as any big goal. It's always the same process where um, you go through this period of doubt you know, or fear or pressure. And it weeds a lot of people out because they don't want to go through that. But you always go through this period where, you know, you don't know if you're, if you're going to make it or not. I love that period. I yeah. love that, that, that test. But um, whenever, whenever I, I'm training, I'm always about like, I love get it's, it's, a, it's, it's part of these little steps that I'm taking 
to get to the end result. And that to me is the grind. But what I was, what I was going to say is when I go through these dark moments, you know, and the pain comes and the toenails fall mm -hmm. off and they're in your shoe and your legs are swollen and you have blisters or whatever, you know, my reaction to that is always the same thing. And it's the same thing I had in business. When I had sales reps at Marquee Jet, they would, I would come back from a meeting. I'd go, how did the meeting go? And they'd be like, oh, it was tough. They beat me up on price. They beat me up on competition. And I'd be like, well, what'd you expect? You're a sales rep. Your job, your job is to sell. The customer's job is to push back. So when the blisters right. and the pain comes and the obstacles come in work, my response is in a race is always like, pain, what took you so long? That's all you right. have. I've been expecting you. So the grind is the same thing. Like, I know it's, it's life, man. It's going to be hard. What did you expect? You're going to cruise through it as a parent yeah. with your kids? No, your kids are going to have glitches. They're going to have challenges. What took you so long? What did you expect? Yeah. And then you deal with it head on. So the grind yeah. to me, it's the same thing in every, it's like, there's no difference between grinding in business, grinding in a goal, grinding as a parent, grinding in marriage, expect mm -hmm. the obstacles and then deal with them. That's the difference maker. Most people when the obstacles come are like, oh shit, it really happened. Mm -hmm. I'm in pain. I have a toenail that fell off and they quit. But the people yeah. that are like, I expected this. I'm going to deal with this. What took you so long? And, you know, crisis management 101, they attack it right away. They don't run from mm -hmm. it. Those are the people that keep going forward until they get to the finish line. So the grind in business that you're talking about, you know, you're right. You have to sacrifice, you know, what, figure out what you're willing to sacrifice, but you have to mm -hmm. expect it. Expect yeah. it. No one's going to get a free pass. Yeah. Huh. Amen. Like, hallelujah. So I totally agree with every single word. And it's all it all comes down to your mindset, your perceptions, the expectation, right? But like, what I'm thinking about, of course, my own journey, but like what separates the, the crop that kind of just has the expectation that troubles are going to come and they're going to handle them. And the crop that, because this is kind of the 2%, right? It gets hard and they power through. It gets uncomfortable and they power through. Like they, they kind of thrive. Like I'm always like, this is the, this is the shit that builds you. Like these are the days that count. It doesn't count. The other stuff doesn't count. This counts, right? So what do you, like, how can people cultivate that? Or how can, how can they adopt more of that mindset to be more the person that that pushes through? I like we do, you know, the hot cold and all that stuff and I'm a big believer in like like I burnt I actually found this video the other day where I had like I massively burned my hand like third degree I was in the burn clinic and it was this crazy experience where covid was happening so they wanted to slice everything off my hand wide awake no anesthesia and I was like, the only way I got through that is because I had ice bath trained. Like I was literally like in the ice bath to be able to like handle this insane amount of pain. That's the same reason I can handle my 13 year old being a punk. That's the same reason I can handle business, you know, troubles. But, but how do you suggest your everyday person, the person listening to this podcast, they want that mindset. They want what you have. But how do they actually go and get that? It starts with the small things. So it starts with, you know, everybody is born with a baseline of what you're talking about is grit, resilience, persistence, mm -hmm. mental tough, whatever. Everyone is born with a baseline of something. Maybe on a one to 10, you were born with a, at a four and I was a three. But when you put yourself in these situations, like you just said, an, an ice bath, you take your, your baseline from a four and you bring it up to a four and a half or a five and you sign up for Ultraman, you take it to a six and then you go out when you don't want to take a sales, you know, you have 50 people called and you're like, you know what? I'm the kind of person that responds to every email before I go to bed. It takes it up to a seven. And, you know, once your baseline goes up, it never goes back down. If you keep doing it, your baseline. Next. So all you've done is you've raised your baseline. There's a good chance that burn Five years ago, you might have been like, you might not have been able to handle that, but you've put yourself right. in a position where you've taken your baseline up. So, so, you know, there's an old quote, how you do anything is how you do everything. Mm -hmm. It's really just the small things that we do. It's our habits and our routines that create this environment in our head of what we're becoming. So I'm the same way. I go in the sauna. I do not go in the sauna for really the physical benefits, although I enjoy that. 
the detoxification and, and all, I like all that. Mm-hmm. I go in because for me, when it gets insanely uncomfortable and I got to tap to get out, I say, I'm going to stay in for five more minutes because it's building this layer. It's mm-hmm. almost a game to me, you know, where I'm, I'm hardening a very soft human. I'm hardening mm-hmm. that human um, one, one step at a time, you know, and that allows me to not quit the race. That allows me to handle, and it takes time. I'm a different guy at 53 than I was at 21. You know, I'm a lot, I'm a, I'm a lot grittier. So that's one thing. Yeah. The, the second thing that I, I would say, um, I think that maybe it's a different, an answer to a different question, but when you look at all the greats and you talk about entrepreneurs and most people here, they want two things. They probably want to get a little bit mentally mindset you know, um, maybe they want to get some tips around business or, or whatever. But when you look at the greats in any big goal, they dream really big, you know, like they, they start out, I'm gonna do Ultraman, like it's a big, an overwhelming task. And it's almost too overwhelming to think about that, or I'm going to start Spanx. It's overwhelming, you know, no business experience. How do you do that? And what they do is they start with a really big dream, almost like Disney-esque, you know, like fairy tale-esque. And they take these humongous challenges and obstacles and things to get there. And they break it down into bite-sized pieces. So even with with your hand, you probably said, well, let me get to the hospital. That's the first step. Mm -hmm. Then let me go through the first five minutes of treatment. And then let me get to the next thing and the next thing. Or you get in the cold plunge. You don't say I'm going to sit in here for 10 minutes. That's insane when you get (laughs) shocked. Let me get to the 30-second mark. Then we get to the, th- and then when you get to the three minute mark, you're numb and you could actually stay in for 10 minutes. So the 10 minutes isn't hard. It's the three minutes right. that are hard. Yes. So you break it up into digestible bites. And I think that that helps also. And then the other thing that I would say um, about that mentality is you get really good at troubleshooting, y- you know, mm-hmm. like even again, even your hand as a, as a situation, like you didn't panic. You didn't freak out. You didn't quit. You didn't cry. You didn't say, you know, you troubleshoot. What do I have to do? You know, yeah. and, um, people that are really good at getting to the finish line realize that there's more than one way to get there. Yeah. And they get really good at troubleshooting in real time. I can't get mm-hmm. more. You called me to do a podcast. Well, maybe first you DM me and I didn't respond. Then maybe you email my assistant and I didn't respond. Then maybe you, but you tried four or five different ways. Yeah. Here we are. Resourcefulness, resourcefulness, right. right? It's like the mother of all skill. Yeah. Yeah. Assistance and, and, and all that. I love that. I love that. So here's another, I feel like this is a little cliche, but it's also so important. When I first kind of set out to like to have these Disney-esque goals, right? These huge goals of like, I'm going to, I want to, I'm number 500,000 in this company. I'm going to be number one. Like, this is where I want to go. This is what I want to do. There was, of course, this insane amount of fear and every reason why I couldn't do this. You know, all the self-limiting beliefs, but I can't do it because I'm not like her. I can't do it because I don't have this background. I can't do it because of whatever. And I think that's what stops everybody, you know, on their road to success is that comparison game. But I started to really study a lot of very successful people. And I'm so grateful that they were kind of all giving the message. Like I remember Brendan, Brendan Bouchard being like, I wanted to write a book. I had no idea how to write a book. Like I'm not a writer. You know, Brendan's even like, I wasn't, I was a horrible speaker, but I figured it out. You know, the only difference between the people that are where you want to be and where you are is they just figured it out. They weren't, you know, Brendan didn't come into this world as a keynote speaker, you know? And so what do you say to that? Because I'm sure there was a whole hell of a lot for you and Sarah of not knowing what the heck you were doing, but just getting through that fear, getting through that. Like, how do you block out the comparison game when the fear comes up? So I I disagree a little bit. I think that not everybody can play shortstop and not everybody mm-hmm. can pitch. I think people are introverted or extroverted or have certain skills or lack certain skills. I bet Brendan, Brendan Bruchard had a natural, I've seen him speak, you know, there's something, Amazing. you know, there's something. So he, so he found it. It might've taken yeah. him a lot of different steps to figure out what his, what he likes to do, what he's good at, but it was, mm-hmm. it, it was in him. 
Um, I think that when you were talking about like all the self-doubt, you know, self-doubt is the number one enemy to success. If we could all beat up our own self-doubt, we'd be successful, more successful in all the buckets of our lives. It's not easy to do because our brain has an imagination of itself and as defense mechanism, you know, it, it talks us out of a lot of things. But what I would say to that is it's really hard to control your thoughts, but it's not hard to control your words. So when you say, I don't have enough experience, I don't have what it takes, you might think that, but when you speak those words, you give them power. And yeah. the opposite is true. So I try not to say in our family, we don't say I can't. That's like, right. I mean, you know, the, the, the fire alarms. The worst off. four letter it's, word. And <laughs> um, so we don't, we don't say that. In fact, we say we have like a thing like it's We don't say, you know, like we, the kids know that. And yeah. I do the opposite. Like when I was sleeping on my friend's couches, I used to walk into my office and tell my partner we're millionaires. They just haven't mm -hmm. paid us. So I like to, I've, I always say like, I, I was an Ultraman before I even put the bib on to run the race. The end of the movie yes. is already done. I was a millionaire before they paid me. Marquee Jet was mm -hmm. sold before we even incorporated. You know, I always yeah. go to the end of the movie and then the plot changes and the script changes, yeah. but the goal is always non-negotiable. So despite the fear, despite the lack of, I always... I talk it into existence. I talk, yeah. I talk myself into health. I talk myself into vibrancy. I talk, you know, my relationship. Like there's times where Sarah might say something and the natural reaction would to be play ping pong and hit it back aggressively. Mm -hmm. And then she hits it back mm -hmm. to me aggressively. Mm -hmm. I get it right away. Like we're married. Let's figure this out. Like, I know you're mad, you know, but I don't, it's not like, you know what I mean? Those words are really, yes. And um, if I was going to tell anybody, and as hokey, as corny as it sounds, as ridiculous as it sounds, I'm telling you, when you say I can't before the start of the marathon or, or, or even like, I'm not sure if I'm going to finish, but I'll be at the party. You've already, you've already given yourself an out not to finish. I don't yeah. do that. I don't do that. Did I hear, was it somewhere, didn't it, was it, I feel like I know it was you. Maybe it wasn't these exact words, but I know I found myself in my gym where my head's like, oh, I can't do this. And then I'm like, yes, I can. I always finish. I always, wasn't it you that said, I always finish. I always finish. I always finish. A friend Chad right? Yes. He always says, we don't get tired. We don't get tired. You know, we don't like, get tired. No, yeah. it's, it's a joke. Like, it's crazy, but like, we don't get tired. Even when I yawn, <laughs> I say to my wife, like, I don't get tired. <laughs> Why would I get tired? You know, like, yeah. so, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I do, I, I practice a lot of that all the time in all areas. And yeah. I, I'm so aware of people. Like I see people like, you know, um, it, how many millionaires do you think there are in this country, Moira? Any idea? Gosh, I have no idea. No clue. Me neither. When I was growing up, we didn't talk about money. Like I didn't know, like there was no, so-and-so is a millionaire that that never happened right. my, like my dad wasn't like I didn't I never met really who I knew was a millionaire until I was yeah no until I was, until I was 21 years old and I was yeah. on a vacation and I was in in Jamaica with a friend of mine and it was over Thanksgiving Christmas vacation and he said I just got my holiday bonus and I'm like what'd you make he's like I got a three million dollar bonus I was like it was like a cartoon where your head spin. I was like wait <laughs> You made three. I was making thirty-four thousand dollars. I'm like, you made three million dollars. You can't even. In a buy, bonus. You couldn't even get the exit sign of the restaurant. Like I've known you my whole life. You made, and I was like, if this guy could make three million dollars, why can't I? If this guy can run a hundred miles, yes. why can't why can't I? There's eighteen million millionaires in this country. So there's hundred and ninety Amer million Americans over twenty-five, roughly, in this country. So that's basically one in every 11, one in every 11 adult Americans. If I did my math right, I'm pretty sure I did, is a millionaire. So you're telling me that if you line up, you know, um, 11 people in a row, or, or you think there's 18 million people, if you're not a millionaire, that are smarter than you, better than you, more talented. Right. My point is, it's like the four minute mile. When the guy broke the four yes. mile and no one did it, the floodgates opened and, and so many people could do it. I think thousands have done it, right? When the first guy ran a hundred miles, thousands, tens of thousands have done it now. Yeah. 
There's 18 million millionaires. It's not that hard. When you realize it's not that hard. So the stigmas have to be broken about what you can do. And once you start to realize that, the people that, you know, like, it's like the person that has a debilitating disease and they say, you know, your chances are this. Well, has one person cured it? Show me the one person. What yeah, did that look for the proof. Look for the proof. Look for the did. proof. Yeah. And, you know, when you, so part of the fear that you're going through or the doubt, start surrounding yourself with people that don't think like that. Start putting yeah. yourself in positions. Look for, the, look for the miracles. Look for the people that are just like you and you, like my dad. You know, mm-hmm. let me say one more thing. My grandfather was born into in- incredible poverty. He was one of 12 children. Mm-hmm. Six of his brothers and sisters died before the age of two. Mm-hmm. He moved into a house after serving in the army. He had children and he had my father and two daughters. They lived in a house with their grandfather. They opened up a paint shop. So my great-grandfather, my grandfather and father lived in a tiny house in Brooklyn. And underneath they had a paint shop that they, that they, that they ran. I'm one generation removed from that. I'm part owner of an, of an NBA franchise. I live in a house. I can't even believe it. I'm one generation removed from that. Yeah. How is that even possible? How is that even possible? It's possible because it's possible. Like, right, right. It's possible yeah. because it's possible. And, yeah. you know, it just makes me think that everybody's just an idea, a referral, an mm. opportunity an introduction away from changing the course of their life. It happened to me. And when you have hope, you have everything. If you have health, don't forget the one job we both have, Moira, and you're you're great at it. I'm pretty good at it too. The one job that we have and all of your listeners have is to stay healthy. Because you talked about grind early and we talked about success and we talked about mindset. All of that, if you're not healthy, it means nothing. If you have a billion dollars and you have a sore throat, yeah. all you think about every time you swallow yeah. is your sore throat. So yeah. um, if you have health, you have hope. And if you have hope, you have everything. And, yeah. um, you know, going back to the grind, don't, don't put yourself in a position. You're grinding so hard that you sacrifice the one, right. the one job that matters most. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my gosh. I'm so fired up right now. Like the, the idea that just, it's all freaking possible. Like it's all possible. I have that, that I I do feel like it is a, a different mindset. You know, not everybody can play shortstop. It's like when I hear crazy stories, like the $3 million bonus that you talked about when you were younger, I'm like, oh, that's possible. Like, oh my God, like my own visions and dreams just start to blow up when I hear things like that, you know? And it is, I I remember one time you sharing about your grandfather and father and and Brooklyn and one generation. And that was so powerful to me. And it's very similar because my dad, you know, raised six kids. I want to say my dad made $50,000 and he was like, we have enough for what we need, you know, like we don't need more. And he actually probably worked. I remember somebody asking me what my dad did. And I was like, I don't really know. He has like 10 jobs. I didn't know what he actually got paid for because he did so many things, you know, and probably 80% of what my dad did, he never got paid for, but it was, you know, family and giving back to your community. Those were his pillars and that's what he passed down. But, but like you said, one generation to be instilled with that, you know, what we got from our dads, but then also to be born into a generation of absolute unlimited possibility is freaking awesome. You know? I remember when I ran, I I went to my first hundred mile run. And you have to, like, I started out running. My goal was to run two miles. And I went, and that was my goal. Like, if I could run two miles, I was a runner nonstop. And then I took that all the way to 100. So I 50X'd my goal. I 50X'd what I thought my goal should be. And I've been able to do that in my business and in a lot of areas of my life. I've been able to Mm -hmm. take what I thought I could do. And then through whatever, for whatever reasons, um, dreaming big passion, Mm -hmm. um, competitiveness, I've been able to take it, you know, and 50 X things. But I remember going to, and imagine if we could all do that, you know, like 
our limitations, a lot of them we put on ourselves. They're self-imposed. Sure. I don't do that. Like what we just talked about. We're not, our, we don't, we're not millionaires. We're not marketers. I don't come from my, all that mm-hmm. stuff. But I remember going to my first hundred mile race. I wasn't running it. And I remember looking around at the people running the race and maybe, and watching it and watching the people that finished. And what was amazing to me is what I thought a hundred mile runner would look like was like an Olympic gold medalist, chiseled muscle, you know, like impeccable health, young. And it was the opposite. It was people Mm -hmm. that look, uh, and I don't mean to insult anybody. I'm going to use an extreme example, like boat herders. You know, they were like skinny with long beards and a walking stick. (laughs) And a lot of them didn't fit the mold of the Olympic athlete. 95% of them didn't. And what what I realized that they all had in common, how in the world these guys running and and girls running 100 miles, what I realized that they all had in common, they all had one thing. They didn't stop, Mm -hmm. (laughs) period. They kept constant forward motion, got them to the finish line. They always were doing something that got them closer to the finish line. They kept moving. And I was like, whoa, this is a sport where unlike, uh, this is, here you go. Now I'm warming up. (laughs) If you took the best athletes in the world that ever existed, Michael Jordan, Tom Brady, LeBron James, the best baseball players, Wayne Gretzky. And you put me in a weight room with them. And you, you, you want to run a 50, they would, every NFL player. In fact, let's take every NFL player, every NBA player, every major league baseball player, every professional soccer player. And let's, let's put me on a race in a 50 yard dash. I'll come in last place. Let's put me in the weight room. I'll come in last place. Let's put me in any competitive environment with them in any gym, training, physical, I will come in last place. Put us on the starting line of a hundred mile race. I'll beat them all. Every single one of them at 53 years old, I will whoop them. Every one of them in a hundred mile race. Why is that? That's got to feel good. Why Why is that? Why at 53, could I beat all of them in their prime in a race? Now, a couple of reasons. One, you hear the way I'm talking? I'm convinced I can do it. You hear the, I'm not faking this. I believe it. I'll put a million bucks. I'm convinced. I believe it too. And I could beat them. (laughs) Number two, it's more important to me than them. Mm. It's more important to me than them. They don't care about running a hundred miles. Number three, I'm trained for it. They're an Mm -hmm. expert at what they do. But um, I have become an expert in this. In this particular thing, how could 53-year-old Jesse beat a young Michael Jordan, a young LeBron James, a young Stephen Curry, a young Patrick Mahomes in a 100-mile run? I can. I can. Because I've experienced it. I want it more. I'm an expert. It's important to me. And guess what? Everything that I just said, they're not skills. They're attitudes. Mm -hmm. They're attitudes that everybody has. I've just bottled them into this one particular thing, a hundred mile run, but I've also bottled it into my business. I bottled it into how I want to live my life. I bottled it into these other areas of my life. And that's the difference maker. That's the difference maker, but we all have it. Everybody has it. We all have it. Absolutely. I mean, Good. It's good stuff. And uh, absolutely. I mean, and how good does it feel to know that you can beat them in a hundred mile race? Like knowing that, being able to carry that inside, that yeah, feels good. That is an extreme example. I and mean, obviously they would crush me in everything. You know? <laughs> and, and, and I have the utmost respect for all of them as athletes. And I'm not an exceptional, I'm, I'm a, I'm a back of the pack hundred mile runner. My point is we all have these amazing abilities in lanes that we don't even think are possible or what you would think when look, if you lined them all up, you'd be like, this guy's coming in last place. This guy's not coming in last place, man. This guy is not, this person, uh, we're not coming in last place. And we all have this, right? Um, We have to just tap into it. Yeah. You untap and and believe every single day, every single day. And I think that's one of my biggest messages is like, 
tap into it where you feel it, but then you got to keep going, keep going, keep going. Like I always think about public speaking, you know, it was my greatest fear. I'm like, that's my worst nightmare. Like I, I don't, I don't want I don't want to do that. And last week, and I, this is, you know, not my first time, but they corporate calls me and I'm like, this is simultaneously my biggest dream come true. And my absolute worst nightmare, because they're like, we want you to speak on stage in front of 20,000. Like, you know, you solo, not a panel, not an interview, like you take the stage. And I can remember the first time I did that on a really big stage. And it was, and I'm sure you feel this, you almost feel possessed from above, right? You come off the stage and you're like, what just came through me? What just came over me? But I remember thinking, oh my, like, this is what I was put on this planet for. I remember that feeling the first time I stepped off a big stage and I never would have gone th- near that opportunity with a 10 foot pole with a hundred foot pole because it scared the crap out of me, but, but I did it anyway, you know, and I, and I got better. And so, so often what we fear the most is exactly where we need to be. I believe like it's exactly where everything is that we want to feel and experience and who we want to become. It's right on the other side of that. Oh yeah. I mean, I've, I agree. I think that Everything in my life, when I look back on my journey, the biggest moments have always been on the other side of fear. Yeah, for sure. For sure. All right. I I feel like I've kept you literally doubly as long as your sweet assistant said you had time for. (laughs) She's amazing, by the way. Um, So I'm going to like fire some quick questions. What's your favorite book? Like, do you have a book that you're like, this is my go-to? This is like, or maybe it's a few of them. Yeah, no, Fit for Life. A New Beginning by Harvey Diamond, because again, it goes back to the health thing. And this is, this is my Bible for health. Yeah, I love so that. A New Beginning by Harvey Diamond, because it all starts there. I've never Everything read it. That's there. amazing. Everything starts there. If you're not thinking clearly, if you're stressed, yeah. if you're sick, then everything else, you know, is, is but if you're, if you're clicking and you're vibrant and you're clear. Mm-hmm. So it, that to me is anyone that wants to start a journey into health, this book, nothing has had a bigger impact on me other than my parents than this book. Yeah. Wow. Wow. And I feel like even for me, I need to be reminded of it on a daily basis. I, I feel like it's just that we humans in this world, you know, with alcohol, with a glass of wine, with this and that all around, like we have no idea how much that affects our physiology, which affects everything every day. You know, every day. Um, who do you admire? Um, well, I've had two really good role models in my parents. I have a yeah. lot of virtual mentors in different buckets. It's very hard to find someone that you admire across the board. They have the family, the business, mm-hmm. the lifestyle, the values. So um, I try to be that example as best I can for people that, you know, follow me, meaning, you know, in my community, but, um, I find experts in each lane and I gravitate. So I have a lot of virtual mentors. Yeah. I love that. Um, what is, what's your current obsession? What's something that you're like, I can't live without this right now besides fruit. (laughs) (laughs) Um, other than my kids, uh, I'm really into swimming. So I'm teaching myself just really want to get better at swimming. Um, I want to break every endurance record in the record books for people over 90. So that's my goal. Oh my God. So when I get to 90, I want to be that's like, amazing. I want to own every record for the over 90. I'm never going to get the fifties. I never got the twenties, thirties and forties back of the pack, fifties back of the pack, sixties back of the pack, but 90, I want to be on the leaderboard. I bet you might be able to do 70s and 80s too. That's badass. That is awesome. And that's playing the long game, right? I love that. Long game. Um, all right. Last question. What is something that very few people know about you? Because you're such a public figure. That might be hard, right? Oh my God. I don't even think of myself as a public fi- figure because I leave. You are my, so, you're definitely. I live my life figure. so openly, you know? Yeah. I really do. Um, Let's see. What is someone? That's a really good question. <laughs> I've never smoked a cigarette in my life. Something that no one that's ever knows, amazing. Know about me. 
Um, you know, I like to put myself in positions that sometimes I may not win in, you know, like, um, mm-hmm. I, how can I explain this? I got to, I got to come back to you on, on, on that. I got because I want to think if I'm going to share something someone doesn't know about me, yeah, I got to really think about what that is. I mean, I have, you know, I, have, right. I have things that I keep to myself and things that are just, yeah. that are just yeah. private. But um, what's something about you that no one knows? Gosh, I mean, I'm, I've, you know, it's been, it's been a journey of sharing my story and my troubles, but like, I think a lot of people, I mean, if you really know my story, you know my story, but I think a lot of people don't realize like just how much I struggled. You know, I struggled with addiction and alcoholism and mainly alcoholism, but there were definitely drugs in there, but food and like all of that stuff, like there were I think people look at me and think I'm here and I'm like, there were so many dark, hard years. And I think that built a lot of grit in me to be able to, you know, do what I do today with a mindset of like, this is not hard. Like that, that shit that I went through, that was hard. This isn't hard. But I don't think people on the, in the everyday kind of know just the, the actual struggle that I've been through. So, so yeah. I would say for me, like, um, I don't, I don't know if people know how much things matter to me. So like, mm-hmm. you know, like I have a coaching community. It's really mm-hmm. important to me. It's not like I take an ad out and want like it real, like when I speak, it matters to me. It's competitive for me. It matters to me what I say. I take the words that I put out very seriously, the messages mm-hmm. very seriously, I don't like to talk about things that I read about. I like to talk about things that I've experienced and done, good mm-hmm. and bad, because I think, you know, like, otherwise, I'm talking through experience. Um, I didn't read about the Ultraman. I, I, I did it, and now I can talk about mm-hmm. what I went through. But I don't think people really, I don't know if people understand, I hope they do, how important, like, you know, I put a lot of, and I talk about this all the time, my soul into things. We're going to talk mm-hmm. about here, like, I mean, I don't know if you can feel the passion, but this is important to me. Like, you know, this is what we're doing right now. I'm not, this is where my feet are and this is where I'm going to, and I just, I don't know if people really understand how much energy that takes and how much yeah. I put into what I do. You know, like yeah. the space that we're in, we talk about coaching and, and, and all this stuff. It's an interesting space. It's an interesting mm-hmm. space. There's some interesting people in the space. And um, it matters to me. It matters a lot to me. If you're looking for some more in-depth training on mindset practices and how to create your vision, how to reverse engineer your goals, how to craft your morning process, all of the things that I'm super passionate about, you guys, the Rise Up course is where it's at. It is literally my lifetime, my mind in a course, every single tip, strategy, and hack that you could possibly ask me about is in this course. So jump into the show notes right below and you'll see the link for the rise up course and my rise up planner and you guys can rise up with us so i don't know well i'm like i'm getting teary just feeling like feeling that and i mean because as you're saying this i'm thinking like i see that and there are a lot of people in this space and there are few people that i've been drawn to as much as i've been drawn to you and Sarah, because I feel like, you know, when if you were to flip that question around to me and, you know, if somebody said, who do, who do you admire? I, I, I it's hard to think it's, I'm, I admire so many people, right. For so many different reasons in so many different areas, but you are one of the absolute few in the space that we're in that I can say is just has the level of integrity and humility that I just don't see any in very few other people. And so I just want to say thank you for that because I, I appreciate that. And, you know, when I got into this space and, you know, I'm, uh, um, it just comes with a lot of responsibility and, you know, I'm not, I don't want to single anyone out or anything, but like, you know, I see a lot of predatory marketing emails mm-hmm. and like, that's not what this space is about. You know, it's not mm-hmm. about preying on people in their lowest or anything like that, or making promises or upselling into something that may not even work. 
you know, and I, yeah. I just like, I never wanted to do all that. I never will ever. Yeah. All that. But, um, so the space, you know, it, it's, um, like every, like every industry, every industry has certain standards and certain things mm -hmm. and people knock off products from other people or things people say, or, you know, I'm sure my wife has had to deal with that, right? You make a product, yeah. someone comes out. Um, and, but you just, you just try to do what you do and not worry about the outside, whoever you are, you know, like I said, right. not everyone can play shortstop. You have to be authentic to you. You brought up Brendan Bouchard, uh, who I like. Brendan's a friend of mine. He's yeah. found what he's good at. You know, it took, it took time for, for all of us. It took me 53 yeah. years to find what I like to do. I didn't love selling yeah. airplanes. We had a $5 billion jet company. I didn't love it. It was just, I didn't love it. I wasn't like, yes, I'm selling airplanes. We had a coconut water company. I loved it, but I didn't, it wasn't my, what I was yeah. on earth to do. You know, it took me 53 years to, to figure out, I really enjoy speaking. You know, I want to get yeah. really good at that on stage. I really enjoy, enjoy coaching. I really enjoy, you know, ex living, doing big experiences and then sharing and encouraging people to do more experiential stuff than just the grind. You know, we yeah. already know about the grind, but let's talk about yeah. how do we incorporate cold plunges and living life and experience. Because yes. the more you experience, the more you can offer, the more it helps yeah. the grind. So, so yeah. you know, all of these layers, it took a lot of years. And I'm still in the first inning yeah. of learning. I'm in the first inning of what I want to learn, you know? Yeah. And, and that's what's exciting about my journey is that I feel like there's so much more ahead yeah. to learn and to share and to experience. And that's what I'm excited about at this chapter of my life. Yeah, that is really exciting. I kind of feel like I'm right there too. It's like, you know, it's it's hard to step away from the thing that's bringing the money in or the thing that's, you know, the thing that everybody thinks that you're really good at. And when you're like, yeah, but there's something else that I feel like is next and you got to make another leap after you've arrived, you know, it's like, it's, it's kind of scary, but it's also like the most freeing, most exciting thing ever. So. Yeah. And, and, you know, you and I, we both have a big calendar. We both map out our stuff. We both think yeah. plan ahead, but um, you know, the goal is to have both is to not sacrifice that, but just to weave in just enough adventure and family and friends and stuff that you feel great about where you are. That's really the goal. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's wrap with this because there's so many things that you do that I feel like everyone can, you know, derive value from and, and change their life. I can remember literally just seeing B-Y-L-R. And I was like, what is that? Like, what is he, what is he doing now? What is this thing? And literally just the words build your life resume. When I was in the middle of burnout, I was like, oh my God, like, yes, that's, that's what it's all about. Like build, build your life resume with experiences, with, you know, opportunities, with trips, with all these things. And so what are kind of things that people can go to, I mean, your website, your Instagram, what, like, what are you, what are you doing right now to kind of offer people? Where can yeah. they plug in? You know, I, no one ever taught me how to schedule my life or live my life or, or even how to think about my life. You know, they taught me math and they taught me history and they taught me some business strategies. But, you know, um, so, yeah, I have a, a program called the Calendar Club where we teach people and help people map out, plan their life before their meetings and really prioritize themselves first. Because I feel like if you do that work, sales, everything becomes better. Um, yeah. So, and that's in my link in my Instagram under my name. So thank you for that, Moira. Yeah, absolutely. When's your next hell on the hill? Cause I, that's been on my, that's been in my mind too. I'm like, I'm coming, I'm coming. We're doing it first weekend of August. You got an invite if you want to come out. It's oh my God. I would love it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. You just hit like, you just struck a God nerve too. I don't, I, I mean, so my, you know, when I saw that last year, did you do it in the beginning of August last year? End of July. End of July. So we were in, my son was diagnosed type one on like August 4th. And so the crazy thing is I saw hell on the hill 
And then I end up in ICU with my son. And I remember thinking, I want to be there next year and I want to run or, you know, do whatever you guys do. I want to do it for type one diabetics, you know, in that, in that honor. And so crazy, you're going to be doing it literally on the year anniversary of his diagnosis. That's right. That's crazy. And you're right, you're right down the road. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, Amazing. well, you have an invitation so we can talk about it offline. Awesome. Well, we'll be there. Well, Jesse, thank you for everything so much. Thank you for your time. Thank you for just your influence. Thank you for everything you're doing in the world. It's next level amazing. And I'm super appreciative of you. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for tuning in today, you guys. I don't know about you, but I'm going to actually go back and listen to my own podcast so I can take all the notes from this episode. It was absolutely one of my favorites to date. So many amazing takeaways. Thank you for listening. I'd love for you to go give us a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps to just push this message out and help other people find the show. Don't ever hesitate to reach out to me. I would love to get your feedback on all the episodes. I'd love to hear you know, ideas of who you want to see featured on upcoming episodes. And thanks again for joining us. 